Let me real quick kind of bring you up to date on what this is all about right here because it's really important and, and you need to understand it and not get confused because what this series is about is, is basically the, the, the power of changing your world. Changing your world. I mean, it sounds like a big, you know, motivational thing or, or what. Hopefully it will be motivating. But, but there's many aspects in which that can happen. And one of them is, is belief or faith, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Another one is the, just the, the power of forgiveness, which we're going to talk about on, on Easter Sunday, which is, I think, rather appropriate. Um, and we're going to talk about that from the aspect of, you know, living out Easter every day of your life. Uh, then, then we're going to talk about the power of money. So well, is, that a, is that a Sunday I need to skip because you're going to talk about money? Um, no, you don't need to skip that Sunday because whenever we do talk about money, and this particular thing is going to be a little different because we're, we're talking about more of an attitude. Do you, what do you own or what owns you, basically? We're going to talk a little bit about that. What does the Bible teach about that? We're not going to, uh, we never try to do things in the sense of, Hey, you know, you need to give because we, just, let me just set the record straight. Do we need money? We always need money, okay? But that, anybody that doesn't understand that, come see me. I'll explain it to you. But, um, but that, we don't do those kind of things. We, we, we hope, you know, we hope you'll be moved and, and, and so forth, inspired to, to do what you can on that. But we want to talk about more of the internal aspect of, of money. And maybe you make a lot, maybe you don't make much. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters to you, obviously. But, I mean, in terms of an attitude. All right, so we're going to talk about that. There's some interesting stuff to talk about with that. Power of, uh, of time. You go, you go from money to time. I don't need to hear that. Yeah, you do. Uh, we need to talk about management or mismanagement. And we're going to talk about power of you. You are uniquely gifted. And we're going to talk about that from that aspect and how in each one of these things, the potential of being able to change your world is huge. And, and one of my goals is to get you to see that. That it's not just some platitude or something, but that it really can happen. And many things have been done that way. That's why today we're talking about faith or belief and how truly it does make a difference in the things that matter the most. And we're going to talk about faith and we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches about that. And, and we're going to talk about whether there's such a thing as bad faith or unhealthy faith and good faith, healthy faith. And what happens when we have the right kind of faith and the kind of things that can happen when, uh, when that just sort of sets up and takes root into our hearts and our minds. All right? So let's just jump in. I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about. By the way, this will be on the website tomorrow, both the notes, the uh, MP3, and, and the, uh, the book, um, one of the books that I've used on this. You know how books are. You know, I don't know if you like this. We have this little, little thing in our house because my wife is such a it's so great about, you know, keeping things, you know, orderly. And I'm not bad, but I'm not as good as she is. And, uh, but we have this little thing every now and then about books. Do you ever have that little thing going on? Because she's like, uh, what are you going to do all these books? And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't want to get rid of these. They're like old friends. You know, you're trying to take my old friends away from me here or something. This is, she's not really like that. But anyway, it's one of those things. And this is one of those books. I say this for my wife as much as anything. This is one of those books, honey, that, that might have gotten thrown away if I had not happened to see it. In preparation for this thing, I happened to see an old book that I hadn't looked in a long time. The book is called uh, Finding Faith by Brian McLaren. I'll have all the website information on how to get that. And, uh, and it was just terrific, anyway, that we have that little thing going on. Because I, I go a little overboard sometimes, and I have books that have been around for years upon years upon years upon years. And anyway, 
I just say that because this is one of those books, all right? And uh, I think you can still get it, and I'll give you the information to get that. But it's called, it's called Finding Faith. Brian McLaren, I know him, and, and uh, great author, very, actually, this particular book would not have been thrown away because it's autographed by him. He's a friend I knew him, not a friend, but I know him and know him a little bit. And um, wrote some good stuff, and I'm going to use some of his stuff, and I want to just give him credit before I do that. Not all of it, but some of it. Faith makes a difference. Belief makes a difference. And it can make a huge difference in the life of an individual. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you how it can change your world. I want to begin by going through just a few bullets on what bad faith, what unhealthy faith really is. Because there is such a thing. And when I say that, some of you probably had something inside of you kind of go, oh, there's such a thing as bad faith. I think all of us understand we're, we're all beyond the old 60s thing maybe 70s maybe 90s i don't know thing of well you know it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it really sincerely i think most of us realize that is a totally asinine statement because when you see people flying airplanes into buildings to kill people because they really believe what they believe you realize it's not okay to believe that there are some things that are wrong to believe and we've seen it throughout history at different times. So I do want to change the world. I want to change my world, but I want to change it the right way. And I want to just jump into this. I got four or five, seven bullets here on what bad faith or what unhealthy faith is. Let's just jump into them because there's a a bunch of them. Bad faith, unhealthy faith is based solely on unquestioned authority. Totally, it's based on, it's I simply believe because an authority figure or an authority structure tells me to. Um, there needs to be no thinking, certainly no questioning. I'll tell you something, if you've got something like that going on in your life, I would, I would get out of there. I mean, that's wrong. That's just wrong. I, that's not really that hard to figure out. Yeah, is there a balance? Is it beneficial to have maybe some people who've been tried and, and tested, people who are in authority structures that can help us with our faith journey? Yeah, that's a good thing. But when we start getting into unquestioned authority... Not only are we getting into cult-like stuff, we're getting into some, some weird stuff. And uh, we don't need to be there. Um, bad faith, unhealthy faith is based on pressure or coercion. Persuasion is not a bad thing. However, when it comes with pressure, decide now. You know, don't question it because something else is going, you're manipulated to believe what, what, what is to come, you know, you're, you're manipulated to believe what's, what's to come out of this. You're supposed to believe, and maybe it's some charismatic person in your life, maybe it's parental or societal expectation, but whatever it is, whenever, whenever faith is based on pressure or coercion, it's unhealthy. You can just mark that down, it's unhealthy. You say, well, I know some churches like that. It's unhealthy. I know some people who do that in the name of Jesus. It's still unhealthy. And that's not the way Jesus worked, I can assure you. Unhealthy faith is often the result of psychological need for belonging. You know, some people will do anything out of desperation to belong to something. Now, if they can't join a particular club, well, we'll go, to, we'll go belong to church. And, and here's the thing. Church is the one place where they can find acceptance and, 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 and so forth. And that's a great advantage, and that's a great disadvantage. 
Because when I start changing my belief structure because of whom I want to hang around, ah, that is a bad deal. That's unhealthy faith. That's a psychological need that I need scratched. But that's the wrong way to get that met. All right? So bad faith is often the result of a, of a psychological need for belonging. Bad faith appeals to self-interest and base motives. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago for those of you who were here. Oftentimes you will hear people talk about the claims to trust Christ, belong to this church, and your life is going to be great. You know, you have enough faith and God will provide all that you need financially and He'll provide all that you need in terms of your health. And if you have health issues, you just need to have more faith. You know as well as I do, that's pure BS. That is not in the Bible. I'm sorry. That is just, that is just, that is just wrong. That's just wrong faith. All right? If you're visiting with us, I get a little better sometimes. But anyway, um, but I mean, it is, I mean I'm sorry. It's one of, that's one of those doctrines, one of those teachings that just really stirs up something because I've seen so many people hurt, damaged by that. And it's just, I mean, you say, well, how can people believe that? I don't know, but people do, and it's, it's just unhealthy. It's just toxic. And there's a lot of people who call themselves believers in, in churches, meeting today, who start teaching that stuff. And it's just, it's just self-interest, selfish stuff. It's unhealthy. All right, unhealthy, bad faith. Let me give you another one. Is arrogant and unteachable. You know, it's like when I know I'm right and everyone else is wrong, when my beliefs give me the ability to judge and to look down on others, when I have an attitude that only certain people can teach me, that's unhealthy. That's not good faith. Because the faith of Christ is much different than that. It's not arrogant. I'll talk more about that in a moment. It is very teachable. Unhealthy faith is dishonest. It's dishonest. Here's what I mean by that. Um, You've got to be able to be honest with doubts, with questions, with problem issues, with problem passages in the Bible. There are many. I've got a book that talks about 101 problem passages in the Bible. And I said, I could write that book and I could do a whole lot more than 101. Somebody asked me the other day, and, and, you know, because of my position and so forth, and, and, you know, I, I have a degree, and I've studied the Bible a long time and so forth, but, and so I guess I'm expected to know these things. And somebody said, what does this verse over here mean? And they showed me, and I looked at it, I knew the verse, and I said, I have no idea. And I have no idea. You know, there's some, there's some passages in the Bible I've, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, and I probably will still be trying to figure them out when I become much more, much older, excuse me. Okay, I was, got hung up on the word old, older there, and Caught on the grammar. Um, Bad faith, unhealthy faith is dishonest. It won't admit to problems, to issues, to to doubts, to questions. Let me assure you, God is big enough for your doubts. Don't don't, Don't be shy about that. God is big enough for your questions. And you don't have to believe every single thing that you read or you hear about in church or in the Bible in order to to come to Christ. Coming to Christ is a very simple thing. Bad faith, unhealthy faith is apathetic. It doesn't inspire action. Um, if faith is authentic, a person can't... Now listen to this carefully. If, a, if faith is authentic, a person can't believe the same way that he did and he can't act the same way that he did before he had faith. It will make a difference in how they live. It will make a difference in how they treat people. Unhealthy faith is a step backward. 
It's a step backward. You know, I think it should be assumed growing, maturing people of any faith um, should be moving forward in life. If a person's faith doesn't make them more loving, more wise, more alive to life, and more responsible, if a person's faith doesn't do that, then it's, it's an unhealthy faith. That doesn't mean that I'm always more loving and more, uh, more wise. We, we have our moments, of course. But we start graphing our life. If I, don't, if I don't see that happening, that's an unhealthy faith. Bad faith, unhealthy faith is a step backwards. Now, here's the issue, folks. It involves being engaged. I'll tell you a story real quick. Some of you know this story. I'm going to have to change some names. Uh, I'm not going to use any names, actually, uh, because uh, i got to protect the innocent, if you know what I mean. Um, and if you know who this is, just figure, if you know, not who, but if you know generally what this is about, you'll know, and you can just, I just got to be careful because I'm being taped, and this is going to go on the internet, and I don't want anybody to have any hurt feelings, okay? They don't live around here, but they might listen. Okay? Uh, five years, I don't know how long ago, five years ago, maybe, uh, Charlene and I are looking at this place, uh, church to that that's looking for a pastor and um i don't want to say where but it was warmer the people were nicer and it was more genteel okay let me just say that did i say that people were nicer i didn't mean it that way all right you know what i mean by the all right you're nice too um something anyway they um we went through the whole process. It was it was brutal, and uh, it was good. It was fun. It was but it was brutal. It was like a long weekend, and we were just exhausted. And uh, and they were about ready. They made it clear they were going to make us an offer of some sort. And and uh, we were getting on the plane on a Monday morning. Okay, so we had this long weekend with all the all these church people. Really, really good people. But seriously, really good people. And um, and my wife, normally reserved. Very genteel, um, Southern Belle. Um, she hates that, but she was. She was a Southern Belle. She did the whole thing, man. I mean, she didn't do the hoop skirt. That's all, you know, everything else. Um, anyway, from Georgia, Alabama. I'm like, what do you call that? It's a Southern Belle. Anyway, who just, I mean, she's always perfect in these kind of situations. Perfect. And we're about ready to leave, and our host is about ready to say goodbye, and she says, I have one question. I thought, oh gosh, what's coming now? Because I mean, I'm not used to this stuff. And she's like, how many truly thinking people do you think go to this church? How about that for a question? And I'm just thinking, you know, I didn't really want to come here anyway. This thing's over with. You know? <laughs> I just, you know, I'm astonishingly silent, which is unusual for me. And I just thought, I'll let this thing play out here, see what happens here. You'll never believe the answer. He said, probably none. Probably none. And I'm thinking, how fast can that plane take off? Um, you know what? I don't think that's unusual. I think that's more of the norm than you might, might. And I've been around, this year I'm celebrating, we're celebrating my 30th year in ministry. And I've been around a lot of church, a lot of different places and so forth. So I've, I've, been, I've been around a few you know, I've been around the block a couple times. Um, I don't think it's that unusual. That sometimes when we, we come to Christ and we get in a safe setting of, of what we call church, we just sort of check out. Boom. 
Check our brain at the door, enjoy the music and you know, whatever that might be in that particular place and, and listen to whatever uh, boring or entertaining thing the pastor might have to say and then we'll go on, you know. I'll let you fill in the blank there. Um, but the point is this, and this is the thing that I want you to see about healthy faith. Healthy faith is not like that. It's engaged. It questions. It thinks. And, and if, if my world, this is the part that I want you to understand, if my world is going to change, it's not just a matter of, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I, I kind of buy into that set of beliefs. It's got to, and I'm going to show you a quote in just a minute, it's got to, it's got to engulf me. Because my, my, it's going to change. My world's going to change. Maybe not the world. My world's going to change because of this. My family, my neighborhood, my company, my club, whatever it is. Because of this, this, this faith has got a hold of me. And it's healthy. And, it's, and it's, it's from God. So let's talk about that. Let me give you a McLaren quote from the book. Show me a person who, who has rejected faith. Nine times out of ten, I'll show you a person or a group nearby who turned them sour with their example of bad faith. I think that's true. I've seen it as a pastor. Dang. I left the church one time. Church, you know, I just want to go be a church pastor again. Why? Because a bunch of idiots, man. No, not literally. It, it, it was just some of the things that... This wasn't you. No, nobody here, okay? It was just some of the things that I saw, quote-unquote, Christians doing to each other. And I'm like, is this what Jesus had in mind? I don't think so. Never, never, you know, I never have had. I mean, I have doubts. I have questions here and there. But I've never really had a crisis where I, I doubted Christ or God. But I've had a lot of questions about church. You know, a lot. And, 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 and Christians and so forth. Nah, that's just honesty. So let me, let me just give you some, some more bullets. I want to get these real quick in and, and, and show you something from the Bible. Um, some other points of what healthy, good faith is. Good faith, healthy faith. Good faith is humble, teachable, and inquisitive, right? You know, the, it's pride that says, I am right, everybody else is wrong, therefore I'm better than you, therefore, you know, you, you know I don't know where you're going to go, but it ain't going to be where, where I go, and so forth. I mean, good faith is humble, teachable, and inquisitive. Healthy faith is grateful. It's grateful. Um, you know, there are no more fun people on the face of the earth, earth than thankful people. Why? Because it just, you know, it rains. Isn't it great? It's great. We need rain. You know, sunshine. Isn't it great? Unlike some of us, I will say me, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if anybody else went through that whole thing. When we had that late, that, that March snowstorm, that just, I was just, it just, it set me, I never let the weather affect my moods. And I was like, oh, this is, this is awful. This is terrible, you know. And I was thinking, you know, golf and, you know, baseball and all kinds of, Great things. By the way, today's opening day of baseball. I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, God is good and life is great. Um, grateful people are great people to be around, is my point. By the way, the opposite of grateful people, what is it? Whiny, complaining, murmurers. Love that word, murmurers. It's an onomatopoeic word. Remember that? Onomatopoeic. It's defined by how it sounds. Murmuring, You know? And that's what, exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's a long time since you heard onomatopoeic, isn't it? Yeah, didn't know I knew that stuff. Um, good faith is grateful. Good faith is honest. Good faith has the freedom to express both doubt and confidence without overstating either or understating the other. Um, 
I should be honest about my weaknesses, about myself, about my faith, about my questions, and even the doubts that I may have about some aspects of my faith. Good faith is honest. Good faith is, is communal. I mean, what do you mean by communal? I mean, it's there about for us to encourage one another on this faith journey. To gently sometimes prod, to gently sometimes confront, to gently sometimes encourage and support. And we need that. We need that. Maybe not from 200, 300 people that you come to church with, but maybe four or five that you become close to. That's part of being of community. Good faith is active. Healthy faith is active. In other words, it acts upon that faith. That's where the change the world things come in. I'm different and I act and live differently because of the faith that I have in Christ and because of what He has done in me. For Wilberforce, that meant to change slavery. For you, it may mean some major something like that or it may mean Bringing a little light to your home, a little joy, a little gratefulness to your business. To do business in a way that's going to honor God and honor people. You know, we can change our world when we allow that faith to change us. And good faith, healthy faith is active. It sees injustice and it acts. It sees something wrong, it seeks to right it. For you, and we're going to come out of this thing in certain ways. Some of us are going to be really concerned about the AIDS epidemic in Africa, and we should. It's a terrible thing. Some of us are going to be more concerned about something else. And some of us are going to be more concerned about, you know, just my... And that's okay. We're going to have different areas that we're going to have kind of, kind of really impress upon us our heart and our mind. But the point is this. When faith takes over our life there is definitely something different about us and it's going to affect not only some of the causes we get involved with, it's going to affect how I treat the person at the 7-Eleven. It's going to change my world. It's going to change the world that I live in. Good faith is tough. Real faith has ups and downs. It comes with questions and sometimes doubts. It can wrestle with desperation and going on and so forth. But it means that you keep trusting even in spite of the circumstances. Good faith is relational. And I'm going to hit this real quickly because I'm going to talk more about it in just a moment. It's relational. Because, because healthy faith is based on a relationship. Not with a set of rules. Not necessarily with a liturgy. Not with necessarily a tradition. All those things can be okay. They can be good. But good faith is based upon a relationship with your Creator. And your world will change. Your world will change as you seek to let God become more and more a part of who you are through faith. I want to read you three verses from the Bible. Well, a couple of them are two together, so three passages from the Bible. And then I want to read you a quote and I'll show you something, get you out of here. All right? This is what the Bible teaches. I love this. These are some, these are some, some of the verses that really have formed, me, formed my whole belief system in Christ and in, in what church should be. And we talk about coercion and pressure. I came up, uh, one, of the, one of the aspects of, one, of the school that I went to is they, sometimes they wouldn't say this, but sometimes they believed in the whole pressure and coercion thing. And I knew then, something, something about this rubs me the wrong way. And then I found a couple of these verses. This is one, Romans chapter 6. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you have obeyed with all of your heart. It's the heart. Now, in, in, in this mind, the heart, you know, it's, it's the mind. We know that. 
But in this culture, the heart, they thought this was the, the seat of, of everything. And, and we know it's the mind, but we'll, we'll say the heart. You know what I mean by that. It's the heart. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not following all the observances of Lent, or, which is fine to do if you want to do that, or, 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 or you know, Holy Week or whatever. Those are all great things to do, and I'm not going to disparage any of that, but what, that, that's not a substitute for a relationship. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Is believing in your heart. It's a real personal thing. Now, that's going to change. It's going to change you. It's going to change your world and those around you. Let me show you the next one. First Thessalonians. For we speak as messengers who have been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Watch this. Here it is. Get ready. He is the one who examines the motives of the hearts. That verse will scare the heck out of you. Because I can do a lot of the right things. But, but God looks at my heart. Sometimes I don't even know my heart. Sometimes I have to pray, God, help me to know if my motives are pure. I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to be, uh, be you know, using pressure tactics or whatever. I, I, I want this to be of you. Whatever that happens to be. My world can be changed when, when that happens. And we just do what's right because it, it, it's what's right. Not because we're going to get something in return. Martin Buber, I want you to read this. He's uh, written many books, sort of a German philosopher type as well as some other things. In his book, Two Types of Faith, listen to this. Listen to this. We're going to read this first part and we're going to come back to it. My not being able to give a sufficient reason for belief is not a matter of defectiveness in my ability to think, but of a real peculiarity in my relationship. Watch this. But of a real peculiarity in my relationship to the one whom I trust or to that which I acknowledge to be true. It is a relationship which by its nature does not rest upon reasons. Now watch this. Reasons, of course, can be, can be urged for it. But they are never sufficient to account for my faith. My rationality, my rational power of thought is merely a part, a particular function of my nature. When, however, I believe, my entire being is engaged. The totality of my nature enters into the process. Indeed, this becomes possible only because of the relationship of faith is a relationship of my entire being. But personal totality in this sense can only be involved if the whole function, watch this, if the whole function of thought without being impaired enters into it. I would only say that here, here. Go back to that first part. I want you to say that first part again. By not being able to give a sufficient reason, it's not a matter of defectiveness in my ability to think, but of a real, here it is, of a real peculiarity in my relationship to the one whom I trust. Here's what I want you to see. My faith is highly dependent upon the one whom I have faith in. Let me show you how Paul talked about that. His last, Apostle Paul, last epistle that he ever wrote, shortly before he died, probably 68-ish A.D., maybe, maybe 70, but somewhere in that circa area, 68 to 70. Look what he says. For this reason, I, oh, he's, in, he's in jail at this point. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. 
For I know, watch this, here it is. I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him, my life, until that day. Until that day he comes back or I go to meet God. He says, I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard that, my life, that I have entrusted to him. Faith, belief can change our world. But it's got to be based on the right person. Sometimes I talk to people about, uh, you know, because of what I do, I often get into discussions about faith and, and they'll say, well, you know, I don't really believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I say, well, who do you believe in? Myself? I said, well, God help you. I said, no offense, but if I believed in myself, I don't want to bust the gates of hell wide open, but I'd be sunk in many other ways too. Because I'm fallible. Very fallible. Just like you are. I like like so much what the Apostle Paul says when he says, I know who I believed. And he's able to keep that and guard that which I've committed to him, my life, Jesus. Think about that. It's a great week to think about that. Any, Any week's a great week to think about that, but especially this week. And let's pray together. God, we humbly thank you for the ability to seek and in some cases find truth. We thank you, Lord, that as we think about it this week, and I pray that it wouldn't just be a this week kind of thing, as we think about Jesus and and what you did for us, what we celebrate this time of year, celebrate and commemorate both your suffering, your dying, the cross, being buried in a tomb, and thank God being raised from the dead. We thank you for that. And we pray that as we uh, enter the week, that be on our mind, that it be a part of who we are, and that those of us who are people of faith in you, that our lives not only would be changed, but so would our world in the process. We, le- we thank you, Lord, for this time. Pray that these thoughts would stick with us as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.